And if they're at all happy where they are and what they've become, from selling out to doubling down, let's talk punk rock business and what happens when the two get all mixed up. Here is your host, Bill Florio. Yo, this is Bill Florio. Yo, this is MC Charlie Boswell. Hey, it's Dave Harrison. All right, we're a punk rock podcast. We finally got Kevin Seconds on to talk about his day jobs. That was exactly what I want this show to be, and then it, and then when he said that he was thinking about an idea similar for a podcast, I think we might have to reach out to him and say, "Hey, you want to be a you want to be a co-host?" Because <laughs> that would be <laughs> fucking awesome. I love that. If one of us wins the lottery, then we got some backups. <laughs> I'm gonna let everyone in on a little secret that, like, sometimes when you're listening to the podcast, it sounds like it flows a lot better than it, than it actually did, and we cut out some, like, you know, Jesse and and Brian and the team like do a really good job cutting out awkward pauses or like jokes of ours that land flat with the guests and so on and so forth. This had the best flow out of any conversation that I think we've, or very few conversations that we've had, and we usually don't do it with video on, but Kevin's been playing in bands. It probably helped. As I say, Kevin's been playing in bands forever, and he said, you know, it half jokingly, but it, it helps me read lips sometimes. So we did video, and I just thought that the conversation went really well. And what you're going to hear after we're done rambling here is going to be really close to what it actually sounded like. And it was really, uh, it was a really fun conversation. And he was really engaged and really funny, really honest with us. And I thought this was just, it came out awesome. Kevin's Mr. Positive. And, you know, I, and I, I know that. You know, I follow him on Facebook and it's like, that's right. (laughs) And, uh, you know, like he he had been driving for Lyft and Uber and things like that and writing really kind of like inspiring stories about just people he met in the in the car. So it's like he went and ate dinner with a guy who recognized him. I mean, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll, we'll save that for the podcast. Yeah, but the guy owned a Mexican restaurant. What if he didn't like Mexican food? Then he'd be screwed. He knew the food was going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> and Anyhow. we found out that sometimes these myths are really true. Yes. That's right. A lot of once good stuff again. in this one. You're, you're going gonna to enjoy this one. That's right. Let's roll the tape. So we usually start this out with you introducing yourself and tell everyone what you do for a living. <laughs> well, my name is Kevin Seconds. For years and years and years, I played in a hardcore punk rock band called seven seconds and a number of uh, side musical projects and then of course i've done a lot of touring and recording on my own for a living currently well you know that's always a, a, th- a funny thing because i'm like the king of uh side gigs i just take on for years and years and years like even during uh when seven seconds was touring constantly and we really couldn't even we couldn't have jobs because we just have to quit because we were touring so much i was always trying to do anything i could to just have a part-time job so that i could convince myself that i was living off the music and I could I could say to my mom or anybody see it was worth you know all the time that you had to put up with our shitty practicing and the you know currently I mean my my main gig right now uh my main gigs I do a lot of the uh Lyft Uber I do all the delivery shit DoorDash and Grubhub and all that stuff I kind of just t- I try and balance it so that I can always have free time you know cuz I still like to go just sit somewhere on my laptop and and watch stupid videos and drink coffee and, you know, or hang out with a friend. And I, you know, that's always important to me. So I I don't want to get, I don't want to stray too far from that. So a full-time job kind of cramps that style, you know. Would that fit with your philosophy? Because, you know, you say, I want to stay young, you know, until I die. So, I mean, does that, when you're kind of getting old, it's like, you know, I'm getting old, I got to get a job, full-time job. And, you know, that's kind of the definition of getting old in some ways. So is that kind of, 
fit into that philosophy? I wrote that song when I was, I think, 22. So I, I had the luxury of, of saying really silly things like, I'm going to stay young till I die. There is a, a sort of a, a real sort of silly philosophy. In, in my mind, it was a b- very big, important one. And apparently it resonated with a lot of kids throughout the years. And I, I'm not uh, trampling on that. But I, I come from pretty working class stock and 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 we were we were always we grew up really not didn't have a lot of money we were always sort of you know this close to if not homeless at various points and it was a, it was a rough childhood so i uh, i just at some point in my teenage life when i started to work do, doing you know crappy bus boy jobs or dishwasher jobs i just said you know i don't like doing this and i really do want to be like a, a rock and roll person but uh, I, I never want to be homeless again. I never want to. Uh, I never want to have to worry about where I'm going to sleep or where I'm going to how I'm going to eat. And and as I started to get older and and I had a family and whatnot, I just said, yeah, this is regardless of what I have to do, I'm going to make sure that I I can always keep upright and uh, and and keep surviving, you know. And so that mentality. My brother Steve, who was the bass player for Seven Seconds, is you know he kind of has the same exact mentality. But the thing is, is that it, you know, we and we always said once the band, once Seven Seconds really started to play a lot, we we you know we, again we had the luxury of not having to worry about going home and having jobs because we just we'd make just enough money to where we could pay rent, you know, a few months, you know, in advance, and then we'd like go to the next tour and stuff. But then it, you know, as we got older, it started slowing down, and we didn't have things like medical, you know, healthcare and that kind of stuff everybody just started to kind of freak out a little bit, you know, and then we all had like our midlife crisis was like, what are we going to do for, you know, for the rest of our lives in terms of money and stuff, you know? So I like working actually. For me, I didn't grow up with much structure. I didn't grow up with a sense of uh, duty or responsibility. My mom was a great mom, but she just didn't, you know, she didn't really instill that in us too much. So when I, when I started to work, I started to feel like, well, Hey, you know, I might not like this job, but I don't know. It just gives you, it gave me a purpose. And even if it was like a really crappy day and I had to put up with some idiot customers or an idiot boss, I could always, it always made the music and the art and all that stuff seem like a bonus. You know, if I, I was working towards that, you know, like, okay, I'll work for eight hours and I'll get off this shift and then I can go home and do what I really love to do. So I've gotten good at balancing that. You know, there've been times where I've, I've felt resentment and, 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 you know, like, why am I not rich and famous? But no, I wouldn't like that either. So I, I'd like the money, but I wouldn't like people bugging me and I wouldn't like having to be who I'm not. So yeah, um, you do find your balance. I've worked for some evil companies before and I've, I've gotten a lot of shot from friends and I, I just said, look, if, if you can help me pay my rent and make sure that I have a, I can cover my uh, dental bills and whatever, you can have a say in this. <laughs> but, <laughs> your, your friends complain about the company you work for? Oh yeah, yeah. I went to work for, um, I went to work for FedEx a few years back. And number one, they were devastated because why is Kevin Seconds unloading trucks? And I was like, well, you know, Kevin Seconds is, is you know, this is the best healthcare I've had in years and I'm making X amount an hour and, and I, I'm able to pay rent. I, that's, I'm a hero in my eyes, you know? So uh, it's, it's, it, it, they mean it. It's a very sweet sort of uh, sentiment, you know, like they mean it like, you know, you deserve so much more. You should be, but uh, I've never, you know, for me, it's just like, Hey, you know, like I, I, you gotta do what you gotta do. I'm, I'm a realist. <laughs> there is that um, disconnect we found. I mean, we talked with Jerry Casale from Devo last week and we asked him straight up. We said, you know, do you, can you live off of Devo money? And he was like, not really. And I think wow. there's these people that think that, he said he could live. He could, he could live in Ohio. He said he, he said he could probably oh. make. He, could probably scrape, he said he could probably scrape by in Akron. But I think people have this this disconnect. I remember when when Jello got beat up at Gilman Street, they called him a rich rock star. And it's like I don't think people understand that. Like you guys are not like Scrooge McDuck, like swimming in a pile of cash because of of the <laughs> albums that you put out. That you know. A lot of them are out of print. A lot of them, you know, like a, you may may not have gotten money for in the first place, you know? So like that's the kind yeah, of thing where there yeah. seems to be such a disconnect there that they expect you to be this pure artist, but they don't want you to do anything even if it's necessary to make a living. I think we should state yeah. that it's not okay to beat somebody up even if they are a rich rock star. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, right. that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Although there are some people. No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I, I, I was saying, we, we interviewed some of your former roadies, and I feel like you had to load the truck sometimes in seven seconds. So. <laughs> yeah, FedEx well, you know, there's, there's always that joke about how the singer always manages to find a, a place to go when they're in right. <laughs> 
And I, I, you know, I, I was pretty good about it for years and years and years just because I, I, at various points, I was a guitar player and the singer. So I was like, well, at the very least, I can, I can you know, hoof around my Marshall cat. But uh, yeah, you know, it's funny about the punk rock thing, too, because, I, you know, my thing about that always was that early on, I was always sort of blown away by my friends who would treat punk rock musicians like rock stars because i always thought wait isn't this what we're sort of like working against like isn't this the sort of point of what at least where we came into it and the 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 the, the sort of birth of the hardcore thing for me it was always like jello's not a rock star he's he's great he's a great performer he's a great you know i love his music but i never looked at him as a rock star you know or or joey shithead or or henry rollins or whatever i mean henry rollins is probably the most rock star of everybody but he <laughs> or, you know he's he's done it all that's why we but, make fun of him the most. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But no, you know, I so me for me it was always like there was always this idea that like, well, we're probably going to have to come home and at least get jobs. You know, I remember coming home from a like our first really successful tour where we actually were like, wow, people know who the they know who we are. Kids were singing along every, you know, every two months we were out. And I got home and I, I realized I had like $300 in my pocket, you know, and I'm like, well, shit, this isn't going to work. And I got this job where I was like answering the phones for, uh, it was a mail order for Sears catalog. You know, my a buddy of mine said, hey, I got this job. You want to, if you want to come in, I can help get, you know. And it was like the most mind numbing, just awful job. But it, but I was like, I was just out in like New York. York City hanging out. I was in DC hanging out with, you know, doing all this cool stuff and playing in front of 400 kids. And it's like, so I just tell myself, like, keep it real, as the kids say. I'm 60. So at this point, you know, like retirement is just a, it's such a bizarre concept. I feel like I'm just, whatever I got to be doing to get, to keep upright and keep things going. You say that though, do. but I follow you on social media and you're always doing something. You're always drawing something, painting something, doing, you know, right, you know, playing music. I mean, you seem to have a lot going on creatively. Is that something that just comes out of you and you can't control it? Or is that something that you have to do to offset a job where you're not being able to be creative? How does that work for you? Yeah, it's it's I, I I just mix it up, you know, like with the uh, with like my art's doing really well now. So people seem to be I keep waiting for like the the, the lack of interest to, to happen, you know, like where I put some stuff up and nobody says anything that helps a lot. Um, I mean, I still make royalties off of some records. You know, a lot of our records are like a lot of stuff's out of print. We got ripped off by a lot of record labels early on when we you know, we we weren't as savvy as we are now about the recording industry um we you know we 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 signed deals that just really gotten savvier that's the problem well yeah (laughs) trust me there's no savvy when it comes to seven seconds you know we were always like there are bros they wouldn't do that to us uh but yeah yeah you know it's just um i just i guess i just uh felt it was i need i had to get creative somehow and 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 again it, it it's that that thing where as long as i can feel like there's balance between the creativity side of it and the real i gotta make a living side of it um it it, it all manages to work out and and, and again like when friends sort of i I can sense that they almost feel bad for me you know i'm like you know there's i i've I've had the most amazing life and i'm still having it you know i'm going on tour in fucking march with the band that i you know i thought i was never going to get to play with again and and uh it's incredible we'll probably make the most money we've ever made you know but it's just like (laughs) I mean, you know, it's it's crazy, it, but and and everyone's excited about it. And, and but my, my first thought is like, okay, we get back in like you know May. Um, if I if I manage to hold on to you know if I hold on to this job, maybe I'll have to quit, and then I can try to re, you know like I'm already thinking of like beyond the tour, you know. So it's just I think that's just uh, whether it's good or bad. I think it's just who I am, you know. Like I just uh, I again I just I, I've lived penniless and in, in in the worst sort of conditions and I don't want to do it again. It's just a bummer. It was never about the money. The money's great. Don't get me wrong. And, and I love, there's a, a, there's a real nice feeling of going out and working uh, hard on a tour and watching everybody go crazy and coming back with like, all right, we have money and this is great. But uh, it was never really about that. And, and when, and when you mentioned ambition, you know, I say often, I sort of live these, this dream that I never really knew I had. Like I, I never really had, I, maybe when I was 14, I had rock star dreams when I was like, looking at posters 
posters of like Led Zeppelin and shit. But I never, once I got into punk rock, I never really, it just really brought me down to earth, which was a good thing. That was why I love it so much. And it just made me feel connected to some, a music, which I had already had a connection to, but it made me feel like, oh, I can make music and I can go out and play music and make songs for people, other people listen to. I never looked at it like, uh, shit. And, you know, maybe we can make a bunch of cool videos and, you know, you know, hit the charts or whatever. I mean, there was talk of that. We, we'd have a manager who'd, who'd try to pump us up and fill us up full of bullshit. But we always had our feet on the ground. We always thought, yeah, you know, nobody's going to buy some, four, you know, 10-year-old hardcore band is, is a, is a pop, great pop band, you know. Even when we signed to a major label back in 95, you know, the label's like, you know, you guys got this chance. And we're like, we're like, we're like 15, 16 years old. You know, we're old guys. So you, you can't package us into looking cute like Green Day. It's not going to happen, you know, so... I saw you uh, on the Music the Message tour in oh, 95. Cool. And I mean, I was 14 at that point, And that was the first time I got a chance to see you guys. And, you know, you talk about not being a rock star and having, you know, punk rock be approachable. I'd seen shows at that point. But, you know, when you're at that age, you're either going to VFW halls or you're going to like the big concerts. There's no in between, you know, kind of thing. So I remember walking in there and being like, this is a different kind of show than what I'm used to. But you were still like came out. You were talking to people like and that was like that was so mind blowing to me that you guys were approachable. You weren't just going to sit backstage and like wait to play and do all that stuff. But one of the questions that came to mind at the time, and then when I learned more about your history, you know, kind of going back into all that stuff, I mean, did you, was there a point in 95, like when you were on Sony, like, were you like, shit, I can make this last for a few years and I can just live well off of this? Or did you like fall into that pit of, you know, we got a big advance to make an album and now we're just trying to keep up? I mean, did were you making a better living during that time or was it just the same thing, different label? The real difference was that we were asked to meet more people that we just had no interest in meeting. Like I, I we were, we played this amazing New York show and I forgot what the, was it CMJ that used to happen every year? Maybe yeah, it still yeah, does. Yeah. I don't know. And, and somehow we were part of that and we were playing it like, I think it was Coney Island high and, uh, you know, New York's always been one of our the best places for us to play. And so we knew it was sold out, but it was like industry people. They're like people, people that we knew, young people that we knew that would come and see us at CBs or, or uh, wetlands or whatever, couldn't even get in, you know? And I remember we were just so miserable. We got, we went up there and we we're getting ready to go on stage and, and I'm stretching. And, and then our, our A&R guy comes up and goes, Kevin, I got you, you got to meet this guy. He's like the vice president of executive of, you know, just what some, you know? And I said, I said, Hey man, I'm getting ready to go on stage right now. Would you just give me a break or whatever? You know, like I'm like right away, I'm already fucking burning bridges. That I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think I want to burn. Wait, Dave, does that still exist? College Music Journal? Right, does it? Yeah. I don't know. I, don't well, even know. Know. I mean, like, the music... I hope not. I, I hated like that stuff that so much. That whole part of it, yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I, mean, I remember that every year, you know, growing up in New York, there'd be these amazing shows that you couldn't get into. And you'd, you'd, like, you'd, I, I remember standing outside some of those shows hoping that I could get in. I did one of the ones I got into was Lou Reed, and it was like one of the worst shows wow. I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he, like, yeah, he was probably he probably was asked to talk to you know vice president of you know <laughs> exactly. No, they probably they wouldn't make Lou Reed do that. But. No, I mean <laughs> you know for us it was just like it was such a silly for, number one that uh, that a, a major label would even be sniffing around at us. We thought we laughed about the entire time. We we're like, are, you know, are you kidding? Yeah, and when we got well, sheer it, terror got signed to a major label <laughs> every, at that time. Too. Everybody got signed. Every Everybody was getting signed. That was the thing, you know. And I, and you I, guys and I, are cuter than them. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'm cuter than Paul, but let's. You know, I don't want to talk about that right now. You've already gone through the shit. You've already, you already have done your own shit. You, other people have helped you do so. So at that point, we had nothing to lose. We weren't breaking up. We we're going to still be a band no matter what. But then it was like we, we, did, we finally sat down, and at that point, it was just Steve Troy and I. We Bobby was out, and we were just doing like we, we, we did it as a three piece. They wanted us to come down and record at the studio in Hollywood. And we just said, no, we're recording in this fucking, this, you know, we had the studio at the time in Sacramento called Ann Harmonic, which was like amazing. It was like this upstairs, the floors were all falling apart. There was a skate, there was a, a ramp in the, in, right in the middle of the studio. It was just grungy and, 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 but I had recorded a lot of stuff there and we knew the engineer, John Botch a lot. And we just thought, fuck it, if we're going to make our major label, let's do it in a place we're comfortable. And they fought us. I mean, they, for two weeks, like they, and then they, I remember they came up, four people from Sony, 
uh, whoever came up and just looked at the place like they smelled cat shit. You know, it was just like, <laughs> well, they why probably you... did. Yeah, they probably did. <laughs> that was that's probably yes. No, but it was just kind of like this thing where they just didn't get it, you know. And they were like, you have this budget, and you have this da da da. Why don't we do it? And then, and we knew that they wanted to get us in L.A. because then they could fucking stand over us. And and it was just like, nah, if we're gonna do this, let's just have fun with it, you know. But we bought a van out of it. Everybody got gear, and, and we were able to live off of it for about a year. So yeah, it was it was cool. That part of it was it all ended exactly how I thought it would end. In and and actually, it wasn't harm. It it didn't harm it. Like we did, we were already called sellouts. Like pro, you know, ten years before that. As soon as you grew your hair long, I believe exactly that's where it started. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the hardcore scene. Ten seconds. You guys are sellouts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The hardcore scene already gave up on us. So it was like it was like the our demographic, our scene already had said, "Hey, I don't know about these guys." So we, you know, we didn't we didn't have a lot to lose. We were still going out and playing great shows, and people were coming out and and seeing us. And I, I don't know. We we just looked at it like. Let's, I mean, we look at it like the way we look at it now. Let's just do it for as long as we love doing it. We're having fun doing it and it's fun. I always said also, if I've asked every single person, my wife first and foremost, but anybody that cares about me, I said, if I get up on stage and I look like I'm 60, just please respectfully, kindly tell me like, please, dude, give it up. You know, it's just (laughs) awful. You know, there's something special about that. I have to say, I've told this story on the podcast before, but Bill and I went to, for my bachelor party, we went to St. Louis and we went to see Chuck Berry and he didn't, and this is right before he died. (laughs) He didn't give a fuck. And there's something so special about that. There's something so special about someone being like, you know what? I want to go up there. And and it was funny because we were looking at each other and we were like, it didn't sound like, you know, 1950s Chuck Berry at all. He was out of tune. Wait, hold on a second. Dave, you were drinking heavily. That's true. I, I, was. I, was. I was. I was like, there goes my 40 bucks. That's true. <laughs> I was, I was not, that was, that was pre-sobriety. Um, but, uh, but there was a moment where we looked at each other and realized, you know, maybe he's just inventing a new type of music and we're just too dull to understand it. Like this atonal noise is actually just the next, next iteration of rock and roll. And we're just too stupid to figure it out. But I'm sure that you are not the type of person that's going to go out there and tour and be like, oh yeah, seven seconds. They really put on their best show or they tried their hardest. You know, I don't think that's going to, that's going to be something that's going to happen. No, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, and at that point, like with Chuck Berry, you're just really paying just to say you saw Chuck Berry. Exactly. That that was my expectation. And here's the thing. I do believe that because on the last couple tours, you know, prior to us breaking up, we, we had done quite a bit of touring and, uh, we what we were noticing is like a lot of really young kids would come up with our records and say, "Can you sign this?" And I'd be like, "Wait a minute, you know, like how how the how do you even know about us?" And they all of them said, "Well, my parents used to love you guys and da 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 da." So I realized, and also in social media, like so much in the comments, I would look for it. I would look at you know we post something and I look in the comments like finally my my one last bucket list thing. It was all it was, it was so we became the band that like well we we're just paying to say we saw seven seconds you know because that, that was fun. <laughs> oh, oh. All of our friends who have seen Bad Religion, Descendants, whatever. I don't want it to be lackluster. I don't want it to be just uh, going through the... Mo- I, I've seen bands that are are some of the most loved, beloved, you know, respected bands in our genre who I've watched and just said, like, oh, my God, like, please. I, I just... I, I really do want someone to just tell me if I don't notice it myself, if I, <laughs> if I look that fucking bored and that just, like, disconnected from what I'm doing, you know? Well, well, Kev- um, Kevin, you're on a podcast about working your day job (laughs) and you're being more positive than anybody like you know first of all it's like you just coming out there and doing your kevin second thing and the things you say is all you need and then if you if if the other bands are decrepit then you're fine that's true that's true yeah we can You just gotta lower your standard of who you tour with. That's all. <laughs> well, but but you know, we have the we have the. It's funny because on this upcoming tour, it's like we have to follow ne- negative approach. Who are great live bands? That's still. hard. And then we have to you know, and we have to go in. And we have to play during while these people have never seen Circle Jerks are waiting to see Circle Jerks. So I'm like, we have to kill. We have to be good. Well, you know, you know as good as John Brennan <laughs> sounds these days, he also doesn't sing the words anymore. He just kind of oh, no. growls. <laughs> so it's it's as long as people can understand what you're saying, I think you you. You mm, went on that. That might, that might, you might be onto something there. <laughs> I couldn't growl. I believe me, I've tried all for years to, to be a more of a growler singer, and I, it just doesn't. Ke- Kevin, I, I wanted you to come on here because a couple of years ago, I was reading, you were doing the rideshare stuff, and every once in a while, you'd write a nice story about someone you met yeah. in the car. And it's like, all right, you know, this is, this is going to be a fun t- conversation no matter what. 
Um, but recently, I saw that you were you posted a photo of yourself thirty feet in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, excuse me, that with all 40, this like forty feet. special equipment. Yeah, like what's, yes. What's that about? Tell us a little bit more, more. Some of these recent things you've been doing. Part of me wants to talk about it because it's been really, it's been great for my writing, and I haven't even shared a lot of it yet. I didn't, I didn't, I was worried about divulging who I was working for because I was worried that somebody who just has decided they've hated me for years would try and get me fired. You know, get me or something. So I'm like, I'm not going to say, but you can kind of tell I work for Amazon and I've worked yeah, for I Amazon on an offer. <laughs> I've done delivery work for them. I've done everything. And again, it's one of those evil things, but it's just like, look, at this point, it's like, I, I started, I started, I was, I started seven seconds when I was like barely 18. I didn't have much of a resume beyond like a couple of dishwasher jobs and whatever. All those years, I just focused on on being in the in the band, and I even when I went and had jobs, I just would take you know bike messenger job or this job, just jobs that I knew that I wouldn't have to worry about quitting. You know, I could just like yeah, no problem. So uh, I did. I don't have a resume, and and a few years back when. Uh, Seven seconds. It, I I had really kind of gotten burnout. I had done the 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 rancid Dropkick Murphys tour. I did a solo thing with that, and I'd said at that point, I, like I will never ha- be this comfortable and this happy and make this much money going out on my own again. Like this might be. I remember telling Steve Soto, unless you're going out with me, I don't really want to get back in a van and like ju- I've just done it now, you know, so much. And and there's a part of me that still really misses it, but I just was like at that point, I was like I can't do it. So I'm like I gotta sit. I gotta think about a job and. Who's going to hire me? And I really had these weird, crazy nightmares where like nobody would hire me and I'd have to go to McDonald's where it all started and go, hey, you know, would you like a mature gentleman to be, you know, maybe I could be a manager in two months or whatever. But I was worried about it. And so I started looking at, you know, and and looking online and seeing like, what could I do if I wanted to? And, you know, it was always like Amazon would pop up, FedEx would pop up, UPS. And I'd be like, well, I like driving. I like, I like being active. I, you know, I could use the exercise. Maybe I lose a little weight. Da, 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 da. So yeah, I started in this thing. And then I also realized with Amazon, you know, they will entice you with these crazy bonuses. Like they'll say, we'll pay you 1500 Now they're paying $3,000 if you sign on. So I got onto that scam. I'm like, well, it's not a scam. I mean, I showed up, I worked, you know. Know, but I'm like an incentive. Oh, I could work for <laughs> I could work for five months and I could get paid three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. So that job in that photo, I helped open up a, a big warehouse, and uh, I became uh, it, it, the the warehouse is it, it's uh, they call it a pit facility, which is we drive these you know like glorified forklifts. And our job, we, I was in the sort of uh, quality control uh, inventory department. So our job really was just to count and make things look nice in the bins. And our, we, in order to get to the bins, these things are 40 feet high. You have to go up into this thing, which A, I've had a fear of heights all my life. And I just thought, what? Am, why did I say yes to this? This is really <laughs> stupid. But, you know, I, my wife is, you know, she's like, she's like, yeah, well, it's a challenge. Try it. See if you, maybe it'll, you'll, you'll overcome this thing. And, and sure enough, I did, which is really cool. And it was great because I didn't have to really be around anybody else. I was just in my own little truck, did my thing. I could listen to music even though we're not supposed to. And and just kind of work on my own for most of the day. And I liked it. And I actually liked the job, but I didn't like the hours. I was going to work at, I was getting up at 2.30 in the morning, going to work at four o'clock and then I'd get off at noon and then I'd be exhausted. I couldn't do anything for, for the rest of the day. So I interviewed a, a Navy pilot, like a Top Gun guy who had just right. retired. And he came back, you know, from his service and was like, yeah, I tried all these jobs and everything. The only one that, you know, just filled my day was like running one of those Amazon shipping centers. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I don't know how long you last. It takes a Navy pilot to stick it out. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. You know, when you go in with Amazon, it's just repetitive. You have all these things all over the walls you, where you work at, you know, uh, Conquer and, you know, they're, they're saying that, you know, <laughs> Uh, not, not conquer, but just uh, these little sayings that are supposed to fire us up. You should copy it for seven seconds, teacher. <laughs> so you, I, I literally, there was, I was actually going to take photos of them and make it look like it was like hardcore sayings. Like, take a stand, <laughs> take a stand, you know, like, you know. But I was, work in front of just, the positive mental attitude uh, uh, sign at, at work. Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help it. You just see it and you're they, like, they oh, this is like. They freaking ripped you off, man. <laughs> exactly. 
I don't talk about it a lot with friends because again, I see this almost like sorrowful thing, like, oh dude, you know, the the muddy have fallen and all this stuff. And I'm like, now nah, you don't understand, man. It, it, it for me, success is just being able to keep things going and not feel not give up hope on myself, humanity, life. You guys can't see it because I have this really fancy background. I got this little studio that I just maintain. I do my music here, I do my art here. I'm married to a wonderful person and we got great dogs. And I'm living the life that I, I want to live for the There's most part. There's a consistent part. theme for a very long time here, Kevin. <laughs> I, I, I was talking to Ian McKay fairly recently and I just said, it's, it's, I hate feeling bad after I have a conversation with people who think that you guys are underrated. You guys, nobody, nobody gave you the props. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We've spent like 40, you know, almost 40 years just getting love from people all over the world, you know, Moscow and fucking Japan. And, you know, it's like, I can't, I can't complain about anything, really. I mean, I will, but I shouldn't, you know. <laughs> hey there. Too punk for your job? Too professional to still be a punk? We want to hear about it. Share it with us at killedbydeskpodcast at gmail.com. Yo, any of you business owners out there, if you got some punk on your staff and you want some publicity, send us a check. Hey, we cut a whole bunch out of this episode. For five bucks, you can get it at Patreon, killedbydesk.com. Made some joke about... Hey, sign up for my cameo. I think you should have a cameo. I do have a cameo. I <laughs> yes. do have a cameo. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, to, uh, Toby, Toby from H2O talked me into it. And I, I, I haven't promoted it. I've already done two of them. I mean, I didn't even promote it. And, and two people hit me up. They're like, hey, man. Oh, you know. So I thought, mm, this is a pretty good gig. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, if I don't, if I see something that's kind of potentially fun or I can be a ham, like even this, just talking with you guys and being, it's great. I love it. You know, I, 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 I find joy in it. So. Don't go to kevinseconds.com for the cameo. Yeah. yeah. I Did you see that, Dave? <laughs> Is it still? I wonder if it's still the same. Yeah, it's still it, there. Yeah. Hold on. Now I got to look. Yeah. It's a, I, I, I look, I was having a bad day and I just was like. A, <laughs> Okay. What is it? I don't, I don't know. Well, it, so oh, it's, so it's, just the same it's one. still there. So there's wow. some Chinese casual sex dating site. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Is they is paid it me like, really well for the domain? No, I'm just kidding. Don't <laughs> smoke. Don't drink. Don't fuck with their minds. <laughs> 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 that's Charlie's know, joke, by the way. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a sex site that's that's stealing your name, I feel like it should be called not just boys fun, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Sorry, I couldn't I couldn't let that one go. <laughs> there's, pro- there's, there's probably a few song titles of ours that you fit in that <laughs> So did you ever do any uh multi-level marketing? Like could I could could I have ever bought in like a Tupperware from Kevin? Uh, no, no, uh, no, I don't think so. I really, I'm not, not sales. I, I'm not a, a good at selling anything at all. Like, uh, I, I, I'm pretty much good at, like, I love, I'll take any driving job. I love to drive still. And, uh, if I can just be left alone and if, you know, I, I, uh, I delivered for Amazon a while back and it was actually really fun. I was out in the middle of nowhere, like in this very rural area. Unfortunately, it was like in one of the most conservative counties in uh, in in California. And it was like it was just prior to the election. And so it was just like this beautiful like you see horses and cows and chickens. But they were it, like every farm had like huge banners, of, you know, Trump banners and Trump looking like Rambo shooting a gun. And I'd be like, what's wrong with this photo, man? It's like <laughs> you know, it's I've like, seen that one. That's the yeah, that's the yeah. that's also the, the the fuck your feelings one is usually right next to that. Yeah, one. That's what it was. Yeah, it was yeah. that one. Yeah. And, and it, like this beautiful country and then like you just see these just horrific like you know and then they'd have every friday they it did particularly this one part of the this area i was working at uh the other thing is like i was working uh like the deliveries would take longer because i was going from ranch to ranch to like gated community and so it, you just getting in getting up to the driveway and getting to where we had to deliver packages, it would take forever. I got gun gun pulled on me twice. Somebody in the middle, you know, it was getting darker and one guy came out with a rifle and said, what are you doing here? And I'm in this 
branded van that says Amazon. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm trying to deliver a package to you. I hope that's okay. uh, That sounds like you were doing more than the last mile here (laughs) in this route. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was scary. I mean, I, I, I ran a, uh, I ran a truck into a ditch because I couldn't see my, I was pulling out of this dirt, this dirt road. And I ended up going like an inch too, too close to the ditch. And I put the the front wheel. It was just crazy. The whole thing was, you know, but it was fun. I I liked it. I didn't mind it. For for the, for the, um, for the, the warehouse job, I saw you post, you asked for advice around what to do with your hair and you know, I, will, <laughs> I was wondering what you what you landed on. Was it the man bun? Yeah, no, I I uh, I put it. I put the bra- I kept it in braids, and then I, I I guess it was kind of a man bun. But because I can't be seen with a man bun, I put a I kept a beanie on it the, the whole time. So. <laughs> That's a practical I, tip. There we go. <laughs> I thought it was obvious that it was kind of a jokey post, and I, I it was so funny how people some people really took it seriously. Like, dude, don't you have more to worry about than you know? I'm like. Come on, man. Give me a break. I, I swear there's always one person that's going to want to try to just like wreck my idea of me being funny. You know, it's like, come on, let me be my kind of funny for 10 minutes. That's the it's worst my part. page. That's the worst part of the, of the internet is there's going to be one, you know, one <laughs> asshole that's like going to come and ruin the party every time. I- Always. Oh, it's the same thing with, it used to be this with my art. I would post a, I would do a, a video of me actually making a drawing something or painting something and someone would go, you know, you could, you could save time if you did the shading in this kind of, or you did the background. I'm like, I'm not asking for tips from you. Like, <laughs> give me a break. Wait, Dave, internet. I always ended up hanging out with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Bill, you were that guy sometimes. I, had to, no, <laughs> I didn't want to be. <laughs> well, it was funny to me. No, you were well, you know, <laughs> right. As long as you were funny, yeah. But I, I'm talking about the people that take things way too seriously too, and they're just like, it's obviously a joke. You're having fun with it, and then someone has to come in and be like, well, actually, you know, the origin of that word is this, and it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, but, crazy. Then, but then, they, then, then you find out they have Aspergers or something, and then you feel bad. So, well, that just let everyone be, be themselves. <laughs> right. I know, and I do. I try to. I try. You know, I, I believe me. I I hold my tongue because there's so many things I want to say. And, and and my thing is, is like, look, I, you know, I you were the one that added me i didn't add you so that is my <laughs> license to say you requested my friendship so that's my license to say we do it my way on my page like i don't have to, i don't feel compelled to do it anybody else's way but my way but you know it's got to be i mean I it's, that's got to be difficult i mean i see um you know who gets shit all the time is uh billy bragg he'll post something and then, like someone oh. in the comment section will be like you used to be a true leftist and yeah. now you're just a, a puppet for this. And it's like everything he posts, he could be like, I was so, it was so great to play this show last night. And someone gets on him about <laughs> politics. It's like, poor it's, guy. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. I follow him and it's, I, I think about him a lot. You know, I'm like, and there's so many people you could be shitting on. And why are you shitting on Billy Bragg? Exactly. You know what I mean? He's one of the coolest guys in the world. That's good. But like, that's how I feel about you too. It's like, if you want to work at Amazon and you're going to make a living, like, you you fucking earned your shit. Like like even. Well, if I don't want to. I don't want to work at Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 make that clear. <laughs> it's not the worst thing ever. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. But no, you're right. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I I feel like I you uh, people push me all the time on the street and we talk and I, I I like talking. I like hanging with people. So it's not like I have to. Okay, I'll give them. I'll I'll take a little time out of my busy day to you know. But it's it. But it, then it kind of comes back to bite you a little bit with, with somebody else and you're like going why am i a fucking why what's the point of being a nice guy I might as well be a fucking prick to people because then i could you know and luckily again my wife allison will say yeah don't just just stop it just, do, <laughs> just stop you know you're, there's already that record executive that remembers you being they're like kevin sex was a prick to me <laughs> <laughs> thought that guy was positive <laughs> well good he's gotten what he deserves he's working at amazon exactly exactly <laughs> he told me you had to go and on I'm stage busting tables <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never learn. I never learn. <laughs> I, I was going to ask about, you know, when you're doing creative stuff, is there something, you said something about balance. Is there something about you being your own worst boss? And sometimes it's nice to go have yes. someone give you a problem to solve and, you're, and it's done. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I need structure. There's something about even getting up at fucking two thirty in the morning and, and, 
shower and getting ready. And I had, I drive 20 minutes out. There was something about that. I, 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 I equate it to the same th- the reason why I will pay uh, my, my wife is that she owns a gym. She's like an amazing personal trainer to all these people for years. She said, just come in, let me, let me, you know, and whenever I have, she kicks my ass and it's great, but <laughs> I still have to pay for a gym membership at some shitty generic, you know, chain just to, so that I have to get my ass out of the house, get in my car, drive all the way out and, and go through the whole thing. Then I'll take it seriously. It's it's kind of the same thing with with the job. Like I'm always early. I rarely take you know. I like like I'm. It's the opposite of how I am when I'm just on my own. And I can sleep till four o'clock in the afternoon, which I I don't want to. You know, so it is it that the structure and just the responsibility I think is good for me. And it's embarrassing a little bit to say that at 60, you know, like that would sound good if you were like, oh, he's 30 years old. He's finally gotten a shit, you know, he's getting a shit. <laughs> but when you're 60 and you get to that realization, it's just like, oh man, that's so, it's it's sort of like, you know, I still drink uh, soda, sodas and I feel embarrassed. I'm like, I'm still, I still have an addiction to like Cokes. I, I, don't, I don't drink six coffee because <laughs> that's for adults. <laughs> well, I drink. I drink I coffee. Wanna, I want to stay young till I die. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think if you're in, if you live in on the West Coast, you you have to drink coffee because they they drink yeah. the, the strong stuff. Yeah. Well, like, that's, we just yeah. drink water here. Yeah. Where where are you at again? <laughs> in New York, New York City. York, yeah. yeah. So we just drink that like kind of shady water. It's like, well, I, it's, for me, it's just like, look, I didn't do drugs or alcohol, smoke cigarettes. I got to have some bad, shitty habits. You know, so. I've never even copped Vivarin. No? <laughs> What's Vivarin again? That's the speed pill? That's the caffeine. That's a caffeine. Yeah, it's yeah. like the drugstore one. It's like the one you can buy over the counter, right? I know. I know. I just, I just said that to someone like. <laughs> yeah. I've seen you drink like 50 Diet Pepsis in a day. I know. Well, I stopped that. Yeah. That was bad. That's what I, I, I get. I have like dark circles under my eyes all day long. It's so bad. And it, I, it, like so many times my, my wife, she's always like, well, you should just drink more water. Drink, like drink, my wife bring told me water this morning. <laughs> yeah. It's water. like a nonstop, like, I don't need that in my, no, it's, it's good. You, you can that's just move to mind. Utah and then that's, I'll give you the structure. You can't find it. <laughs> yeah. It's so a, uh, so what, I mean, Kevin, how, what would you imagine yourself doing if you never started a band? I. Uh, I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> I really was a, a hopeless feeling kid. Like when I was going like high school, I'd see all of these happy students, fellow students, and I'd be like, how do how do they get to where they're at? Like I'd already been past the okay, life will never be like living in a cool Brady Bunch looking house or having a dog in the backyard, you know. I'd already gotten past that. But then it was like everybody seemed kind of like connected and happy and on the same wavelength i know that they weren't but it it seemed like that yeah but i wonder i wonder where they're at now (laughs) Uh, yeah who knows go to that reunion let's see (laughs) yeah that's the thing like i was so disconnected i don't remember anybody's names i've tried to go back like do i remember any did i like anybody did anybody like me you know but yeah it just was like i didn't have this sense of anything until really music music was always the thing for me and and listening to it but then later on just wanting to make music i was like if i can do that. I don't really care what happens. And and luckily, I had a little brother, my Steve, who who was who was just my he would anything I wanted to do, he'd do. So if I, you know, when I started to think about starting a band, I'm like, well, all right, you be bass player. <laughs> he didn't want to he didn't want to play drums, and, and so it was like, you be bass player. So that was it was good to have like a little sort of a sidekick partner to kind of push you along and 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 help you feel like your ideas weren't that stupid even though a lot of them were but think about Reno where I was at the time and and I I do know that a lot of people that I knew like at 17 18 year old just you know a lot of a couple people ended up in prison just before 7 seconds started uh we we had this band called X band it was Steve and I and a drummer and the drummer w- had joined the navy and was trying to talk me into joining the navy he was like let's we'll join the navy together we'll be like buddy buddy thing and I'm like why do you think that sounds like a good idea you know like what what are we going to hang out and share an apartment it might have been something like that where I would have just kind of thought, well, maybe the military is the answer, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I can't, ima- <laughs> I, I can't imagine it would have been, I, I don't think it would have been a good thing. Not that this is so great now, but yeah, just. <laughs> <laughs> First negative thing you said. <laughs> I kid, I kid. <laughs> Didn't you set a ridiculous songwriting goal for yourself a few years ago? Something yeah. like a song every other day or something. It was four, it was I, I said, I'm gonna write four hundred songs in two thousand fifteen. <laughs> I wrote I wrote two hundred and seventy and and thing was is I would have done the four hundred. This is I, I'm not being arrogant. I, I know I would have. I'm not good songs, by the way. I'm not saying that <laughs> 
but they, I, I could have done it, but we took seven seconds toured. We did two big tours. We went to Europe and then I did a tour, a big tour. And it just, I tried to do it from the road and it was just impossible. I, I could do it on my <laughs> tour because I was literally recording in my van with this little, you know, on my phone and shit. But yeah, it was just, uh, that was the dumb thing that I, and I, I sort of did it knowing that like, A, I probably, there's no way I could really do this right. But it was just, a, again, it was, it gave me some weird structure because I got in this, this frame of mind. Uh, I did a card thing. Uh, I wanted, I, I wanted to do these art cards and a friend of mine said, how about you just, um, you know, we'll do like 10, I forgot what, 20 cards that'll be the same. And then you'll do a handmade one in each of them or, or every other one. And so I, I had to do something like 400 cards hand done. And so I was like, this is stupid. This is like the dumbest thing I've ever done. But once I got into it, I was like, I'd get up in the morning, you know, I'd take a shower, I'd do, and then I'd start doing these things. And it was like, I wouldn't focus on anything else. I'm like, I got to get five cards or three cards All done right. today. If, or if, if you didn't start the band, you would have definitely worked at a factory. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's the reality. I'm probably a much better factory worker than I want to even admit to, but it's. You know. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to crank these songs out. <laughs> Like it's run on steam. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of frightening, really, because I, I, I have two hard drives that are just full of these songs that maybe 50 people have ever heard. And so it's like, um, I keep saying to Allison, I'm like, well, my big hope is that like maybe, and she hates this. She doesn't even think it's funny, but I'm like, look, when I die, you 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 put the stuff out and then like people go he was a fucking genius like and then and then you'll like you'll live off of whatever you know this this uh, he was such a cool guy i believe you know and she's like shut up i hate when you say this stuff it is kind of morbid and I, i'm i'm half joking but i'm also half serious too there's a long i mean there's a long there's a long line of of authors where that happened i mean you know kafka <laughs> wanted all his stuff burned when he died and he became super famous afterwards right. you know yeah, yeah, his yeah. editor was like there's no way i'm burning this shit you know so like it does i mean that does happen i'm but at the same time it's like you you know if you have that much that much material why not do something like you know like a patreon where someone can sign up for it and you send them a song a week or something like that i mean i think people would pay for that. I, I'm, do, I'm doing that actually that the 50 people that have heard are all part of the 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 it's not i was on patreon now i'm just doing it independently but yeah i kind of have a sword a thing like that and again i don't promote it ever i i'm the worst at promoting my own shit. but it's like uh and part of me loves it's there's that's there's that side of it too part of me loves this weird sort of kind of low-key exclusive quiet underground thing that only a few people know about like i i, I kind of like how I get into making stuff for people like that. Like I just, I, I just bought this. It's like a toy. It's like a, it's a vinyl <laughs> pressing toy. Oh wow! It it literally cuts vinyl. It's like a lacquer cutter or something. Yeah, right? and, I mean it's it it sounds like shit, but uh, I'm really into it. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer like there'll be I'll make ten of these things, and then like the people that are part of my you know. So, but I love that kind of stuff. So it's like I really was never born to ever be rich and famous. I know that, you know, like I, like I, I probably, I would have never known really what to do with it. I, maybe I could have figured it out, but I, I, I would have never known what to do with it. So you, you just implied that you would make one record at a time. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling Manually. you. I, yeah. Look, I've been doing, I've got, well, these are, these are all, a couple of these are just like, they're test ones, but I've been doing them. <laughs> And there, and I finally got it. I finally figured it out. There's like a weird thing; it vibrates a little bit, so that's what causes it to sound shitty. But I kind of I got some tips from a friend of mine. But yeah, I mean, it's just silly projects like that. I'm way more excited about than like I should be excited because I do love the songs I write now, and I do think that there's probably an audience out there for them that I just haven't quite tapped into yet. And you know, but I just don't. The idea of working towards that and dealing with like I trying to get like a publicist that could put me out there in a label, I, it just fucking it hurts my brain. To think about, <laughs> you know, like I just I'm like I don't even I don't know if I and I don't want to tour like I used to tour. You know, like I want to do some touring, but you know, fuck. I mean, it's well, you could do something like what about like I mean I feel like there's that whole like you know traveling. It's like the Jonathan Richmond thing. He plays when he wants to. It's him and his drummer. You know, like I mean, and he just gets up there and. He might play 20 songs. He might play five and tell a bunch of stories. I mean, it's really just kind of up to whatever he wants to do that night. Yeah, but he's fucking Jonathan Richmond. You know I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like Billy Bragg could do that. Billy Bragg could go up and play one song and you you wouldn't care that you paid 30 bucks, 50 bucks. A song, you know? if, if I can get to that level, God, no. No, but you know, you're right. And and I kind of do that now. I do play and I just play, I just play the shows that I, I want to play. But you know, 
in order to promote a record, for instance, or promote new music you have, there you have to do something way beyond that. And I'm like, A, I don't really know what I would, I don't even know how you do that these days. I watch, I follow, I got friends that are doing it and I'm so amazed that they're still really out there like promoting and, 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 doing what they can to get the word out. And I'm like, I, I just don't know if I have that in me. Jesse, Jesse does a YouTube channel. What's it called? Uh, I had <laughs> Musformation. A, yeah. It's called Musformation. Yeah. It means Musformation. It? Check it out on YouTube. Musformation. Jesse, our producer, does it. It's specifically about this topic. He wrote a book about how to get more fans for your music and stuff. And I, I don't know. Oh, he he okay. does all that stuff. He like, but he, cause he's recorded a bunch of stuff and I, he recorded my band's album and halfway through he's like, if I really thought this had potential, I'd put more effort into making it sound radio worthy. And I was like, well, A, that's, that's not what we're going for. And B, thank you for thinking that. Jesse is not Kevin Seconds. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, it's not hilarious, but it's easy. Well, I mean, he also, he also uh, wrote another book about how to produce emo records. So if you ever want to produce an emo record, I do. <laughs> Specifically, emo bands from New Jersey. I think. Yeah, he was really. I don't, I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna copy over to the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, that's a different kind of emo, man. Different kind of emo. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I, the thing is, is that, is that I, 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 you know, I'm always kind of like keeping it open. Like maybe I'll something will spark and I'll go. I'll, I'll be all right. I'll put, I'll put all my work into this and I'll do what I can. I, I mean, with even with the crew re- reissue, I was like, I knew there was gonna be a, a certain amount of press. And I knew I'd be the only one that would do it because nobody else in the band likes doing interviews. So I was like, Joe and he was at trust was saying, you know, I don't want to ask you, you know, but are you, are you down with doing interviews? And I'm like, yeah, you know, why not? You know, I can, I can remember, I think I can remember things that were going, was going on at that time. You know? Just make sure it it's fine. <laughs> well, you know, we've, we've gotten good yeah, at that. Build too, a but... myth. You got to build a myth to be on some more records. Like, I've made I've made a I've I've made a mountain out of playing five shows with on drums with youth of the day, you know, it's become this, uh, I made I made their Wikipedia page, which is pretty amazing. Citation yeah. needed. But there is that there is that element now. I mean, you know, how much do you encounter people wanting to know minute details about like a show you played, you know, almost forty years ago? I mean, I feel like, you know, even like you know, with the Ameri- when the American Hardcore book came out and everyone was like, oh, we're treating this like an academic historical subject. And then it became this whole thing where everyone's now like, you know, has to has to uh, has to pay homage to like these places and this, these scenarios and these things that happened. And it just, you know, I think that's just what happens with time. But like, I mean, it must be weird to be like, well, there, there's there's a podcast idea. Like, how many inane questions does it take to get Kevin Seconds to blow his top? <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised. I, I, <laughs> I know I'd be. <laughs> I, 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 got, I, I got an inane question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dave Stein once told me this story that Seven Seconds originally was the called the Seven Seconds Brothers, and you were actually all brothers, but there was a van crash, and only two of the brothers survived. That's when you became Seven Seconds. Is that true? Did Dave Stein tell you he made up that? And he was doing that. He was watching us do an interview with some kids in his, for a zine, and we had had a talk about how I was just tired of answering the question because it's not it's a boring answer. There's no there's not we have made up shit because um, just to just make it sound like there's more to it than there is. But Dave actually said, "You want me you something like Kev? You want me to take this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, go for it." And he made that story up, and it actually <laughs> it got back to us, and I was like. This is great. Well, that was well, way that, pre-internet too. So. This is the fifth. <laughs> this is the fifth interview where we're gonna have to edit the Dave Stein part out so he doesn't Sue go us. after us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. He's like, "How dare you say I spread lies when I'm?" A, you <laughs> That's know, true. I'm, That's true. Yeah. I, you know, I pledge my my myself to the court here. I'm a member of the bar. <laughs> I was kind of mad about this because I'm younger, so I got into you guys later, and everyone was like, oh yeah, the U2 albums, and you referred to it as the U2 sounding albums. I don't like U2 at all, and then when I, I avoided those albums for a really long time, and then when I finally listened to them, I was like, these are fucking great. Like, I don't know what the hell people are talking about, because it doesn't sound like U2 to me at all. But it's like that became yeah, we, the short. We just had shitty taste. <laughs> <laughs> I do hear the influence, but I maintain that we were just as influenced of bands like fucking. I'm trying to think of bands that were like punk, but they weren't like Husker Du. That that the Warner Brothers era. I love like, like it sounds like Warehouse era Husker Du. You can hear exactly. that element, yeah. Or REM. I mean, I was listening to as much REM or or like and and, and God, don't even get me started with Steve and Troy. They were listening to. I mean, they were listening to like 
the fix and and I mean they lo- they loved all that Duran Duran they loved all that and it was no joke it wasn't ironic they loved that stuff so Duran Duran's a good band yeah well you know I can listen to it now and not hate it like I once did but it's like but I maintain that the worst thing we could have ever done is a we thanked you two on the fucking record and <laughs> I constantly wore a YouTube boy uh, or war shirt and people would see that so it just it cemented it I think to a lot of people and it was like. <laughs> I never cared that much. I was like, if you listen to any of our music, you're, I'm really surprised more people haven't given a shit about because we we're always a band of, we were always fans of bands. Like you listen to like our early stuff and you can hear DOA or Minor Threat or, or you can hear, I mean, you can hear, I don't know. I always thought we were always pretty open about our influence and shit like that. But I get why people would go, dude, that record is, you know, it's not, it's too soft, you know, like. But who expects, who expects you to do this? I mean, what, what band, other than the Ramones, for the most part, kind of kept that same thing for their entire. Uh, Motorhead co- did. Motorhead, Motorhead that's true. Motorhead. Yeah. <laughs> a- a- ACDC. Yeah. 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 ZZ yeah. Top. <laughs> that can't yeah. be. That can't be creative well, fulfilling at all. Creatively fulfilling at all. I mean, who wants to play? You know, I mean, there's there's so much you can't do with I hardcore do. too. I mean, it's great to listen to, but it's like I can't imagine doing that for you know forty years nonstop with no. No changes. That's why I feel oh, like, bands, like all the bands I just mentioned. Are, yeah, all the bands I just mentioned are very hard drinkers, <laughs> and they all hate each other. I think that's part of it. <laughs> not, 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 not Johnny Ramone. <laughs> was, jo- was, that's Johnny true. Johnny was, was, was Johnny Ramone? Johnny straight right? I think so. Yeah. yeah, he was the only I, one that didn't drink because I think yeah, Marky yeah. had a huge drinking problem. Joey had a drinking problem. Didi was Didi, and Johnny Ramone's the one that kept them the same for all those years. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know they're going to yell at me for talking about music too much, because but so I'm going to get this in real quick. <laughs> I know this just got reissued at least as an import because uh, I just bought the white vinyl of it. Was good to go. I mean, that album fucking rules. I mean, that album is like you know that's the perfect combination of the more melodic stuff with hardcore. You know, like and it's just like that, and your voice sounds great. I mean, every song on that is so catchy. It's I mean, it's it's really well done, and that was like. You know, did anyone even expect you to do an album like that? And then all of a sudden you came out with that. And I feel like that was, you know, one of those things. Where yeah, everyone was- it was an odd period for us because we, we had we had really never broken up or anything. We just we just kind of would disappear for a while. And then we at one point we had had such a weird falling out with the cargo label for a, a number of reasons. And so we were kind of labelless and um, we were like, well, you know. We we had written all, I'd written all this material and we were writing stuff and every everything was sounding it was kind of go back in the straight I mean really it was written for the live show because we, we we tried experimenting trying to bring that sort of middle era stuff into the sets sometimes it worked sometimes it really didn't work and it was really hard to make the keep the momentum of the energy and stuff so we had gotten gotten a, a really good forty five minute set dialed in and and rather than like we didn't want to keep doing it every tour so. We kept writing, and when we uh, went to like, what are we going to do with this stuff? Do we try to put it out ourselves? You know, Ian McKay was always like, "Just put it out, put it out yourselves, just put it out. You guys can find a way to put it out." You know, and I was like, "Yeah, but then I'd have to run the label because nobody else in the band's going to want to do that, and <laughs> I don't want to run a label." And uh, so we sent out a couple. We sent something out to. I remember we sent something to Fat Mike, and we sent something out to like I think uh, maybe Epitaph or whatever. And I remember Mike just saying. I don't, I don't know what I can do with this stuff. I don't know what to do with it. I'm like, fuck, that's, that's discouraging. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) so we went in, he's figured out how to do some of those things and he's worth it. (laughs) I I mean, he's at that time anyway, there was really kind of a formula. A lot of the bands were very similar. And, and when he would do something different, like avail or what sick of it all or whatever, you know, it was kind of like, wow, that's on fat, you know? So that's kind of what we were thinking. Like, well, maybe we could be like the melodic old hardcore band or whatever, but I understood it. I got it. It was like, well, he probably figured, well, this record people are think are going to think you guys are going to come out without the shizzy or whatever the fuck. Uh, well, we did music the message, and that was kind of an in between thing. But anyway, it was like we just really didn't know what to do. So when Side One uh, Dummy approached us, and they were so excited about it, we're like, "Well, we can't. We're not going to get this anywhere else. You know, we're not going to be." And I think they did a great job. I mean, they they hooked us up with Steve Kravek, the engineer guy, and he was he was great to work with, and had a real good ear for what we were. You know, sat with us at practice, and it was the first time we ever did pre production. We'd never worked with anybody like that before, and it was really cool. It was like this, you know. I mean, the record didn't sell a whole lot, but you know, it's like one of those things where it's just like I'm. I love that record. I I could I if if that popped on, I wouldn't 
cringe like I would with some of our records, mainly because of the production. Like the 80s production stuff was always like, ah, I wish we could go back and bring the vocals <laughs> down, take some of that reverb off. You know? Two South Tennessee's did it. That worked out well. <laughs> what, as far as the... What? They re-recorded... Re uh, did they re-record it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They did that. the whole... I said, this is different. What the hell is this? I was like... They, what they did they did do? The thing, they did the thing, like the new metal thing, yeah. where they recorded the vocals really slow and then sped them up so that you can oh, understand wow. them and stuff. It's like, it's terrible. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of work, man. That's a lot of work. The only, the only time I've ever heard that working is when Cheap Trick redid In Color with Steve Albini. It never got released, but it is so fucking good. <laughs> like, wow. they were like, they, they were like, we never liked the way that that was recorded. And I think they were recording another album with Albini, like, like that Sony paid for them to record. Like, I think it was the self-titled album that was like their kind of grunge album. And they were like, and he was like, that's always been my favorite album, but the, the sound quality sucks. And, you know, like, you know, all the stuff that was later on Budokan is actually the better versions than the studio stuff. And they were like, well, let's just run through the album then. And they like did it and it's like circulated as a bootleg, but it's great. But no, nobody wanted to put it out for some reason. What a trip. Is it just that? Wow. George Lucas, it really worked for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, George can do. everyone's going to hate on it if you do shit like that. That's, that's, yeah, just, yeah. that's just, I know. That's I, just life. <laughs> Even if it's good. Has anyone recognized you, Kevin, from from driving? Has anyone been like, holy yes. shit, are you Kevin Seconds? <laughs> really? Yeah. I have a, my favorite story was I, I picked up this guy, the drunk guy, younger guy at, at a Mexican restaurant, and he got in the car and he was on the phone with his with his girl and and uh I always love those kind of those kind of rides because I don't have to say shit. I just drive and yeah. You know. So he's talking and then uh he gets off the phone and he's like uh so how do you like doing this? And I was like, ah, I love it. Actually, it's great. And and then uh, we started talking. He said, what do you, what did you do before? And that, I've lied and just said, oh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I, 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 because the thing is, is it's not because I'm ashamed of being a person that's been in a band, but it's like, it's that, uh, that weird, <laughs> that weird thing when you say, when they ask you what your band was called and you say it and you can tell they don't know who the fuck you, like they've never heard of you. And then you're like, don't worry about it. And a lot of people don't know who you are. But so, yeah, I, I said, oh, yeah, I used to be in a band called Seven Seconds. And he was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and he literally, he was in the back seat and he, he he goes through the two seats and he's just trying to like looking at my face. <laughs> and he goes, are you, Kev wait a minute, are you Kevin Seconds? This isn't the time you, you, felt you drove into the ditch, right? <laughs> oh, no, no. That was, uh, I was all alone in that one. Yeah, but anyway, so, it, and it was a long trip. It was about a 20 minute drive. So the other thing was he was arguing with his girlfriend so i was like so he gets on the phone and he goes you're never gonna believe who my driver is and and so then they're talking and, and he gets off the phone and he goes bro you just saved my you, you like we were totally having an argument you just like i think you just patched it up she's so excited you gotta come in you gotta come in she's like the when we get to my house you gotta come in and meet my wife or my girlfriend you know, like and it was like the most bizarre thing so i did i was like well what am i gonna do you know i'm not gonna bump somebody out so i went in and she was so excited and they, they said you, you we're gonna make you dinner and it turns out he, his family owns one of the biggest uh mexican restaurant chains here in, in just local they're all over sacramento oh, so he was uh, leaving work he was he's a he's like an executive he's not even oh, a worker. Wow. he was just you know he'd been there to you know he I, he'd been drinking he was pretty drunk but he's like kind of i think he, he was in charge of all of their he's like their uh publicist i don't know what he is but his dad oh, yeah something yeah whatever he is yeah but he was like his family owns it and he was just like dude any food it, it, the food is on the house just drop my name and and da, 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 da. and i think i actually made a joke and said well you know i may need if i need a job maybe i can come you know like as a joke and he's like oh, anytime anyone <laughs> yeah not it's been i got i got recognized by a ufc fighter and i can't remember what the guy's name is now i i think i was it mayhem Yes. No, it's uh, <laughs> uh, Logan Paul. No, no, no. It was uh, a guy. I can't think of his name, but he's he's pretty well known. But he was uh, he's based out of Sacramento, and he was like a grew up listening to you know Circle Jerk, Seven Seconds stuff. It wasn't but, Eugene yeah. Robinson from Oxbow and, uh, and uh, <laughs> that, Whipping yeah, Boy. Right. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Jim Norton had advice on what to say when when someone wanted to tell him. You just tell them you, you sell insurance, and then they don't say anything. <laughs> the conversation's yeah, over. <laughs> that, that would be it, right? Yeah, I don't mind it. I just it, the thing is, is I sort of like talking about the work stuff because there's always something that's kind of interesting, or or, or just 
me sort of easing back into the workplace, trying to kind of find my way around is to me is, is hilarious. But um, it's always when I have to like explain, I, I, the, the first day I started that Amazon job that I said, I got recognized in the hall in the, in the, by this tattooed, pierced young girl. And she's like, I thought that was you. And I'm like, huh? And I was trying to play dumb. And she goes, yeah, I know who you are. Where did, where did you start working here? And I was like, I don't want to talk about this. Shit. <laughs> like, See, if Amazon was smart, I don't know if you've seen those commercials where it's like the guys being like, you know, it's like they have different employees and they're like, you know, I had, my wife was pregnant and I had to take leave. And then like Amazon was so great for me because of this. Like if they were smart, they'd be like, let's get Kevin for this. And like, we'll, we'll attract a whole new audience of touring musicians who will be like, I work at Amazon in between my tours. Well, and I definitely have been looking for more ways to get like more connected with the Amazon. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> I want to be a part of that family. I'm constantly told we're a family. And like, yeah, well, how about it? Do you have a story about getting like a one star rating with the with the ride share? No, dude. I So I've been a Lyft driver for, for going on six years. And I've been five point. I, I don't know if they just made a mistake, but I've been like a, at the top forever. And I, I looked at, sometimes I look at the comments and it's like clean car, great conversationalist, da, 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 da. da and I'm like, I've, I've done okay. Like I we're, I, we're not surprised. We're not surprised. Uh, well, I, I, I sort of, them because I, you know, there've been, I mean, especially when, when it comes to politics, like I just, I just say, I, I'm not discussing politics in the car. I just, I, I've had, I wish our guests um, would do that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, it just gets stupid and, and I, I'm just like, I really don't want to, I, well, I mean, you don't want to get a rating for that. Well, I don't even care about that, but it's like, it's, it's, it's sort of like, I, I, like, I'm not the, like when it comes to talking politics, I'm, I'm really passionate, but I'm not that smart about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's all what I feel in my heart and it's not because I, I've researched and I've, you know, I've really, I really understand the constitution and I understand it's not all that. It's just because I, I, I have a, I feel a certain way and I'm, I, I, that's how I feel, you know, and I'll be the first to admit it. You know, I vote from, I, so that's, yeah, it, to talk about it and have these big long conversations. It's just like, I've had people cause we're, you know, here in California, Sacramento is the state capital. I get a lot of people that work for the, the government and people that, some big wig people that, that are involved with Congress people, whatever. And, um, they'll, I can tell that you want to, they're trying to like talk to the average guy and like, what do you, what's your, what's your take on this? You know, and you're going to end up in a campaign stump speech. Like, uh, I spoke to Kevin, my Lyft driver, and he told me times are tough. Well, I, I always think about, if you guys ever see taxi driver, you know, there's a scene where the, some, the, the guy that he ends up trying to the politician that he ends up trying to shoot or whatever, or he's thinking about shooting he gets in the car early on and they ask him, so young man, what's, you know, you tell me about it. And he's like, well, you know, they got to clean the streets. I always think about that scene. Like I should just, <laughs> clean that whole thing. you should just quote like, that. Yeah, line for they line. should just wipe out this, you know, they, they need to wipe out this whole thing and start all over. <laughs> yeah, again. It's too much scum on the street. I forget what he yeah, says. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just go into that word for word. That'd be good. Or just have the recording play as soon as they get in the door. <laughs> That'll do it. Oh, hold on a second. Let me plug my phone in so I can play this audio. <laughs> oh, I tell you. That's it, kids. The gig is up. The cops are here and your mom is going jails, hospitals, and all your friends' houses wondering where you've been. Tune in next week for another fascinating, mesmerizing, and absolutely unmissable episode. And be sure to get on the list and follow the boys on social media at Killed by Desk. This podcast is produced by Jesse Cannon. And if you enjoyed this conversation, there's tons more where this came from. For only $5 a month, you can get full episodes with each of our guests for a total of five episodes per month. Want to help us out with some gas money and to get us to the next show? We have merch and more at KilledByDesk.com.